Well, hello and welcome to the Health Perspectives Podcast. I'm your host, Christy Moore. Today, we are venturing into the topic of heart disease, more specifically, heart failure, congestive heart failure, and I'm sure this will be a topic of interest because if you're like me, heart disease may maybe runs in your family, and that's probably pretty likely given that heart disease is, is the leading cause of death in our country. We are very fortunate to have Dr. Egulam with the Georgia Heart Institute with us today. Thanks for being here. Yeah, thanks. Appreciate the invite. Happy yes, to be here. Yes, great. Well, he specializes in heart failure. He is also board certified in cardiovascular disease and internal medicine. So we appreciate your expertise today. Certainly. Well, why don't we just start out just with a little bit of the basics and just talk about what really is heart failure? How do you define that? Yeah, so heart failure is a sort of it's a catch-all term, and essentially what it means is that the heart's not working well enough to keep up with the demands of blood slash oxygen that's being placed on it. Um, generally, patients can fall into one of two categories. Um, you can have a situation where the heart's not pumping well enough, meaning the, your ejection fraction or how well the pump pumps is actually low. Or the other heart failure you can have is what we call heart failure with preserved ejection fraction. So the heart's actually pumping well, but it's fairly stiff and not able to fill with enough blood to meet oxygen demand. So bottom line is heart failure is the constellation of symptoms you have from not heart not being able to keep up with demands that may be placed on it. Gotcha. And is it true that there might be some people with more problems like in the right ventricle versus the left ventricle and each of those maybe has different symptoms? Uh, correct. So uh, as you mentioned, the heart has two parts to it. So there's a left and a right side. Uh, the left side pumps blood to the body. Uh, so to speak, your brain, your organs, and stuff like that. The uh, right side of the heart takes blood that doesn't have oxygen in, in it as of yet and pumps it into the lungs, and then it gets oxygenated. So you can have a disease that affects the blood pressure in the lungs, what we call pulmonary hypertension, and then that can lead to heart failure that affects predominantly the right side of the heart. Or on the other side, someone can have a heart attack that then affects predominantly the left side of the heart, where then they have heart failure related to the left side. Uh, patients that have heart failure related to the right side tend to have more swelling of the legs, swelling of the abdomen, tiredness, fatigue, weakness, whereas patients that have heart failure of the left side may have more issues related to shortness of breath, but also swelling and that kind of stuff. So I think from that perspective, it's always important to see an expert in the field who can uh, evaluate and uh, make the appropriate diagnosis because the treatment will depend on what form of heart failure you have. And are most patients presenting to you themselves or do they get referred by their own physician or maybe even sometimes through the ER? Yeah, so it's, uh, you know, all the above. Um, mm -hmm. You know, here at Georgia Heart, we have a, uh, a very well-run heart failure uh, clinical program, which I'm the medical director of. And uh, we have a service in the hospital that we provide, so we're we're there to see patients. 
So pretty much patients come to us from all angles. Some patients get admitted in the ER and get on our service in the hospital. Some patients see their primary care doctors and then are referred to us. Some may see a general cardiologist and then are referred to us. And then we have other patients who see physicians outside of our health system, but they get referred in uh, to come in and see us. So. Gotcha. And is heart failure fairly common, actually? Yeah, heart failure is fairly common. Uh, our estimates is that upwards of 7 million people in the United States have heart failure. And over the next couple of years, that number could easily go up to 10 million. So it's a fairly common diagnosis. Um, and unfortunately, it's, you know, among heart disease, it's one of the heart diseases that's now a leading cause of dying from heart problems. So it's definitely something that you don't want to ignore. You want to get help for that. Correct. Yeah, not something to ignore. Uh, it's, you know, once you have a diagnosis of heart failure, I'd recommend talking to your physician, clinician, and, and having being referred to the Heart Failure Center for in-depth evaluation. I mean, as you imagine, uh, the care of heart failure patients is really complex and intricate and involves a, a lot of moving parts. So you really want uh, someone who has specific expertise and spends a fair amount of time taking care of patients that have that problem. Definitely. As I was just kind of digesting what we were going to talk about today, I was thinking there's probably other health problems that affect your heart and vice versa. So I was thinking maybe it might not be all that uncommon for a heart failure patient to actually have several other health problems they're dealing with. Uh, Correct. And and that's part of what makes uh, the management of heart failure so intricate and, and, and complex because most of our patients have a myriad of other problems. So uh, easily half of our patients have diabetes, um, half may have hypertension. Some patients may have already had a stroke or something of that nature. And I think the other big factor that we deal with um, is issues related to, for example, some patients may have issues with drug use, right? So we've had patients who have used methamphetamine or cocaine and that leads to heart muscle damage. And of course, obesity is a major, major comorbidity uh, for patients that have heart failure. So that's another a medical issue that we often have to work to treat as well. So there's this other term that I think sometimes people get confused about is congestive heart failure versus heart failure. Can you talk a little bit about that? Correct. So when we use the term heart failure, like I mentioned earlier, it's really just saying the heart's not keeping up with the demands that's put on it. Now, when people use the term congestive, uh, the implication there is that the patient is becoming fluid overloaded, uh, meaning uh, they have either fluid in their lungs or they have swelling in their legs, their abdomen, their belly. And that's what we call congestion because the blood as it pumps through the body starts to back up and you've got fluid going to other parts of the body. So when you have that congestion, that leads to the symptoms and we often have to give you what we call diuretics to help get the fluid off. So that's the component of congestion. But ultimately, whether you have congestion or not, you may still have a diagnosis of the heart failure. Is heart failure something that someone can overcome, or is it a condition that you're always just trying to manage? So it's a combination of the two. Um, certainly, we've had patients come to our hospital, they're having a major heart attack, and our interventional cardiology colleagues are able to 
take them to the cath lab and uh, fix the blockage problem they may be having. And then we treat them with appropriate medications and their heart function goes back to normal. Or in some cases, we may have a, a pregnant woman uh, who has some heart muscle damage from related complications of pregnancy. After the child's born, they're treated appropriately and heart failure recovered. So you can have those situations where something happens and we're able to take care of it and, and the patient recovers. Fortunately, you have the other uh, end of the axis, so to speak, where someone may have permanent heart muscle damage for whatever reason, and they don't necessarily recover back to normal. But regardless if the patient recovers or doesn't, uh, the treatment is pretty much the same. We want to keep them on medications to help prevent fluid buildup, help them live longer, keep them out of the hospital, and help them get back to a normal function in life. Mm-hmm. So... When should a person maybe get checked for heart failure if they have a family history and already know about that? Yeah, definitely. I think, um, for one, I think the key would be to be educated about the signs and symptoms. So what are the things that may make you think you have heart failure? So um, nonspecific stuff like feeling tired, weak, mm-hmm. not a able to keep up with the level of activity that you've been able to do over the prior six to 12 months. Um, certainly if you have unexplained swelling in the legs, bloating in the abdomen, um, or if you go to bed at night and notice that when you lay flat, you, you get short of breath and you have episodes of where you wake up suddenly and uh, to relieve shortness of breath and breathe a lot better. Uh, those are usually signs or symptoms of, of having heart failure. Now, when we talk about family history, um, you may have someone in your family who has heart failure, but that's because you know they were a smoker and they had a heart attack, and that led to heart failure. So that may not be necessarily genetic, but maybe more related to lifestyle. But there are some genetic mutations that run in families that can lead to heart failure. So if you have several family members, say, for example, um, a parent and then a sibling, or a grandparent, if you have two, three generations of people that have had heart failure, that may be worthwhile for you to be evaluated for a possible genetic cause of heart failure that may be running in the family. Is that sort of genetic testing, do we have that available through? Oh, yeah, definitely. At Mm -hmm. our Heart Failure Center, Heart Failure Treatment and Recovery Center, uh, genetic testing is a big part of how we care for patients, Uh, particularly patients who come in and they have a diagnosis of heart failure, but there's no clear explanation. They didn't have a heart attack or anything of that nature. And generally, younger patients do. We oftentimes do genetic testing to figure out a possible cause. And then that makes a big difference, right? Because it's not only mm-hmm. important for that patient, but also family members who can be screened appropriately. And we can find them early on and make changes that will impact their care down the road. Definitely. Do we have many people that um, take advantage of that testing? Yeah. Uh, definitely. We've had a lot of patients come in. Uh, we're able to provide a genetic test in, uh, free of cost in the appropriate setting. And, mm-hmm. and lots of people have been able to get useful information uh, pretty early on to mm-hmm. l- learn about their own health. That's great. I'm sure, well, with as with anything to do with health, um, you follow protocols and you think something's going to turn out one way and sometimes it doesn't. Have you ever had any cases where a patient just really surprises you to the good that they do so much better than you even were expecting? Yeah, I mean, I would say with the way we're set up and you know the systems we have in place to make sure patients get appropriate care, we 
we oftentimes have patients who have really good outcomes. Uh, we know with heart failure, particularly now in, the, in 2022, we have a lot of really good treatment options, medications, devices. Uh, we have clinical trial options that we can enroll patients in. So really, many of our patients, if we are able to get them in our clinic, they follow up regularly, um, they proceed with a diet and lifestyle change. That's always a big part of the process. And they're able to take the medications we prescribe and they see us regularly. I would say easily close to half of our patients um, do have significant meaning, meaningful recovery to the point that they can go back to work. Or for some, their heart function goes back to normal. So, so quite a lot of times we're able to help patients um, as long as we're able to have them come in and, and follow our process. Yeah, That's great to hear. And you kind of hit on something, um, another topic I was thinking about as well is just how people can try and get on the forefront of this kind of thing and prevent any heart problems. What are kind of some of your tips that you like to tell patients? Excellent. That's a very good point. Um, I know a lot of times we, we talk about treatment of disease, but I think prevention, as they say, is always better than cure. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think... The, the main things that make a big difference are, you know, we want to, the patient themselves or someone who's not a patient yet, you want to control the things you've got control over, right? So, for example, you have no control over your age, right? We know as people age, heart failure is more common, so you, you really have no control over that. But things related to weight, right? So making sure you maintain a normal body weight as much as possible, and that's intricately tied to your diet. So eating inappropriately. Healthy diet, mm-hmm. well, you know, lots of fruits and vegetables, avoiding fried foods, and um, it would be important. Number two, uh, things like if you have high blood pressure, right, and, and, you know, that's the only problem you have, you know, be sure to follow up closely with your primary care doctor and take your medications regularly and ensure your blood pressure is controlled because that reduces the risk of heart failure and all the stuff down the road. If you're a diabetic patient, you know, make sure that's very well controlled and, and taken care of as well. I think the other part that we don't perhaps don't talk a lot about would be finding ways to reduce stress. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, in cardiovascular disease, we know stress plays a major role. So oftentimes I tell patients, whether it's yoga, mm-hmm. meditation, uh, taking time off work, finding something that helps you relax and, and sort of maintain your your mind, so to speak, um, uh, to reduce the level of stress, that those are things that are very important. So really, and then the probably another important aspect of this would be uh, maintaining an active lifestyle. Uh, so we recommend at least 30 minutes of uh, moderate intensity uh, physical activity at least five times a week. So whether that's running, jogging, I have patients that like to swim, Whatever it is you can do to get your heart rate up uh, at least five five times a week. Um, you know, So between diet, exercise, uh, stress reduction, maintaining an appropriate weight, that really reduces your risk of having heart failure uh, significantly. Great tips. And sometimes easier said than done, but we all try, right? Correct, correct. <laughs> <laughs> one, one topic I did want to just loop back around to and maybe explore just a little bit more, and you mentioned it earlier, is this whole thing with pulmonary hypertension. Mm -hmm. Would you mind maybe just expounding on that a little bit and how that, your heart and your lungs and how they 
impact each other. Correct. So uh, when we when we talk about the uh, cardiovascular system or the heart, um, I mean, ultimately the purpose of the heart system is to provide blood to the organs in the body that need it. Um, and in doing that, there's two parts of the heart. So as blood goes to the organs and the oxygen is removed, we use the term as deoxygenated blood. So now that blood has to come back and go to the lungs and get oxygen into it. So as it's designed, the right side of the heart is what pumps blood into the lungs so it can get oxygenated. Now, in a normal situation, the pressures in the lungs are relatively low, mm-hmm. right, compared to the blood pressure, say, in your arm and legs. Uh, so in that situation, blood easily moves from the right ventricle into the lungs without much resistance. But some patients can have uh, pulmonary arterial hypertension, um, and, and there's any number of causes. There's five categories. Uh, I will get into all the detail. But for patients that have elevated pressures or elevated resistance in the lungs, that really puts a lot of strain on the right side of the heart. Now, pulmonary is one form of pulmonary hypertension that we call pulmonary arterial hypertension, which is a relatively rare disease. Um, but oftentimes we're seeing it more and more commonly. Uh, and a lot of this, unfortunately, in our community is related to methamphetamine abuse because mm-hmm. it, it damages the blood vessels in the lungs mm-hmm. and leads to high pressures, which then cause problems on the right side of the heart. So, yeah. that, so that's one aspect of that. But generally when someone has pulmonary hypertension, that's another thing that our clinic specializes in evaluating the patient, figuring out what's causing it. Uh, some patients may have pulmonary hypertension because they have lung disease. So someone who has COPD uh, can have pulmonary hypertension from that. Uh, someone may have sleep apnea where, you know, mm-hmm. they stop breathing during the night and the oxygen level drops and that leads to high pressures. And then some people may have high pressures in the lungs because they have rheumatologic disease. So scleroderma, rheumatoid arthritis. So really, uh, and seeing an appropriate position and getting evaluated to tease out what exactly is causing that problem and uh, figuring out the appropriate treatment uh, would be what, what, what I would advise. Thank you so much for that. Um, is there anything from your perspective that you can think of that maybe we should have covered that we didn't on this topic of heart heart disease, heart failure in general? Yeah, I think I think the important points would be you know, it's as we've talked, we talk about the COVID pandemic. It's important to realize that cardiovascular disease is the pandemic that we've had, you know, easily greater than the last fifty to sixty years. Yes, and it's still present and it's not not going away. So I think the earlier we can institute uh, lifestyle changes and you know keep ourselves healthy, then the less of these problems that we will we will have. Now, having said that, um, we know. There are patients who do their best, they still get sick, or patients who are already sick with cardiovascular disease. I think the, the great thing about our community here is that we have the Georgia Heart Institute, uh, which is well-established and aligned with all the physicians in such a way that we're able to take care of pretty much any disease process that a patient has. So patients in our community can be rest assured that if they have problems, we'll, we'll take care of them. Now, as we've talked about caring for heart failure patients, um, we've mentioned medications and, and things of that nature and, and possible devices that may help. Uh, one of the things that I want to put out there is that for the really sick heart failure patients, uh, we do offer uh, what we call a heart pump program. Mm-hmm. So that's our LVAD, 
which is a left ventricular assist device. Mm -hmm. And it's an artificial heart that we can have implanted by our surgeons. And so for patients that are extremely sick, medicines haven't worked, lifestyle changes, uh, that's an option that our patients have. And this is available here in Gainesville. Uh, so four or five years ago, patients will have to travel outside the community to get that level of care. But it's important to realize that we have all of that um, here at our center. Additionally, uh, another thing we spend a lot of time on is research. Uh, so we have a number of clinical trials ongoing. So not only are we treating patients today with what we have available, but we're also looking to the future. What other treatment options do we have? What other devices can we use to help patients? Mm -hmm. So as we see patients and take care of them and they benefit from what we've learned from other patients by using the medications and so on, we try to get our patients to enroll in studies. And this is a way our patients can give back uh, to the medical and scientific community and to help other patients that are coming behind them. And, and as part of that, as we do clinical trials and learn more, we, we also publish uh, the stuff that we learn. And our goal there is to help other doctors in other communities nationwide, internationally, uh, to learn from the care that we provide here and be able to help their patients as well. So that's a big part of, of what we're what we're doing here. We, we really are so fortunate to have the Georgia Heart Institute here locally. And as you've just described, the, the levels of care, the modes of care, the services we provide have really grown over the years. And the expertise of, of physicians like you, we just thank you. We are very fortunate to have you right here in our community. No, well, happy, happy to be here. Uh, the other thing I will add to, um, Given all the wonderful things we're doing with uh, cardiovascular care here, we've uh, recently been approved to be a, a cardiology fellowship um, uh, training program. What that means is uh, physicians nationwide who've completed residency training in internal medicine, they apply to come to our facility to learn um, how to be cardiologists, uh, how to practice top-notch cardiology. And because of all the things we have available, this, this has become a prime spot for that. Um, our program is approved for six spots, and we're uh, we're the second largest cardiology fellowship program in the state of Georgia. And our first group of fellows will arrive in July, this coming July. So, again, that's another opportunity um, to really leverage what we do here and, and and go forward. And it really speaks to the quality of care that we're able to provide here in Gainesville and and in our region. No doubt, no doubt. Just getting that new new physicians, the education, and hopefully one or two or six of them might stay here. That's, that is part of it, too. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. They come, they train, they become part of this wonderful community, and, and they want to uh, stay around, work with us, and, and, again, keep growing and providing better care and more services for our patients. No doubt. Well, again, for, for our listeners, I just want to um, reiterate that the Georgia Heart Institute is the comprehensive multidisciplinary heart and vascular program of NGHS. And I just want to let you know there are some good articles, good seg segments on the website there that talk about um, some of the different disease conditions. Um, so check it out at NGHS.com forward slash heart. Um, you can definitely learn about the services and programs, but there's also some really good education on there.
I just want to also reiterate that knowledge definitely is power. So wherever you get your information, just be sure it's a very good source of information because that matters so much um, when you're looking at those credible sources of information online. So thank you so much for listening and we wish you good health.